Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. We began a series before you quit, uh, before you give up, and as we talk, as we walk toward Easter, looking at various stories in the Bible about people who experienced hurt or breaking points, or maybe you're at that point now of heartache or discouragement, and these, how these stories interact with our lives and how they're, um, they're intertwined with our stories as well. So um, if you're there, if you're kind of like, I'm at a breaking point or I'm at a giving up point, I just want to say, like, if you're there or just about there, I'm just glad you're here today. I'm glad you're in the presence of the Lord. I'm glad you're with us this morning. And as we look to these stories, and as we walk toward the resurrection of Jesus, as we walk toward that, I pray that we would have the light of the restoration and redemption of Jesus Christ in our eyes and a heart for what God wants to do in all of us for wherever we are. Maybe it's fatigue or hurt or doubt or sin. And I pray that we would bring that to Jesus, and I pray that we would bring that uh, even now today to him. And so we are looking at this and how people in the Bible even had their own fatigue and own hurt and own struggles. And I pray that as we walk toward Easter, we would experience the goodness that is provided through these particular stories. So here's kind of the aim of this series. Here's kind of the goal and the point and the direction of this to encourage and to reach individuals who are on the verge of breaking and to encourage those who are feeling the weight of the world to find hope in Jesus Christ. And I, folks in the Bible are filled with pages and stories. They're filled with stories of people just like you and I. And I'm praying that God might break through your circumstance where you currently are right now. You might surrender that to him and break in and through it because the resurrection makes new life possible with Jesus. And so the resurrection is proof that God loves you. He's for you. The power of God is available for each and every person who calls upon his name. But maybe for you, like we said last week, maybe for you today, it's kind of like this question. It's like maybe it's like, does God even care? Does God really care? I mean, God's got a big universe to run. God's got a lot of stars and a lot of planets. Does God really care? The world's got enough problems and issues. Is God really bending an ear to me where I am? The life that I'm experiencing, the hurt that I'm going through, is the Jesus that's told in the Bible, is is it really true? Is this message that millions of people are gathered in pews and chairs right where we are right now today, is this really true? Is this really worth following even right now. And so does this, what does this have to do? What does this 2,000-year-old cross have to do with my kids who never seem to listen or a relationship that's gone south in my life? My friend who's maybe turned, turned back on my life. My, my family that the dysfunction runs out of sorts. And so as we walk through this series, I pray that we would experience to know the God that does care. One of the most more powerful stories which we're going to talk about today and one of the more lives that which we'll talk about is the person of Peter. But last week we went to the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus' little story is about Jesus meeting two, two sisters in their moment of a breaking point for their lives where they had, they had sincerely, they were at a breaking point where they had lost their brother. Lowest of lows, breaking point in life, the death of their brother, they were in a place of very deep hurt. Um, very simply this, church, that in John 11 we were told this, but very simply that Jesus has his eyes on the broken, and he has his eyes toward broken people. He is near to the broken. He is, in a, he is near to those who have experienced deep hurt in their lives. 
And we, we, in fact, learned that Jesus does wait. He does wait to come and to heal Lazarus. He waits. He kind of delays this. And we could the delays have we said this last week. But God is never late in his timing. He's always on time. Sometimes we feel like the delays of God, maybe you're answering, you're praying, and you're like praying for something in your life, and you're like, why is God late? But God's always on time. God's always on time for our lives. God is doing something, even in those moments, those kind of moments of waiting, God is doing something far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. You see, we said this, Jesus is perfect in his timing, perfecting his purposes in your life so that you can fulfill your purpose in life. When Jesus does this delay on his timing to come to see Lazarus, it's usually always perfect timing. It's always perfect timing. He does not delay in his timing. He is perfect in his timing and his purposes in life. We also said this, that God's glory is often revealed through our suffering and that others can know the hope of Jesus through our stories of shared suffering. I know for a fact that if you're a follower of Jesus and if you follow the Lord, that your experience of suffering or your experience of heartache and hardship is going to help and bless another person. And maybe you don't feel like that yet, or maybe you're kind of in that, and you're like, I don't experience that in my life. I've got, I just, I'm struggling a little bit with that. I, I know for a fact that your experience of suffering and of pain will help somebody else. And we, we said that last week, because God often uses our pain for the glory of God and for the sake of other people. The pain that you and I endure often face is often a way of also identifying with other people and walking with them in the same pain and grief as us. We said this, to fill our lives with God's hope and and love and to recognize that God's timing is not our own. And that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow, you know. God's timing is not our own. God's timing is not our own. You see, the Holy Spirit can fill our lives with the hope and love of God. And sometimes we like, sometimes we sort of like, you know, we like, we kind of wait for the, maybe the perfect time in our lives for God to fill us with love and hope, or like I'm waiting for that perfect time, perfect season, perfect job, or perfect career, perfect way in which my family's going to come together, and we're like, I'm waiting until the right circumstances, but God can do it, and the Holy Spirit can fill our lives with God's love and hope, and can come at any point in time if we call on his name, and that grows in our season of waiting in life. Uh, here's the big picture. We're in Matthew chapter 26, and Matt, this is the big picture. I just kind of want to explain a little bit of what, what this passage is going to look like. Today's story is about the apostle Peter. Everyone say Peter. Peter. Okay, Peter. And Jesus' day, Peter is a part of like the closest followers of Jesus. He's a disciple. He's followed Jesus. But he's one of these closest kind of inner circle disciples, the three, Peter, James, and John, part of that inner circle. Jesus has a tremendous love for Peter by all accounts. Peter has a very interesting story. Very interesting story, all kinds of twists and turns in life, all across the pages of the Bible, and Jesus, like, does not give up on him, and so I pray today would be encouraging to you. Peter's a disciple that Jesus specifically calls. He specifically calls this guy, Uh, and so we're going to kind of walk through a little bit of Peter, then we'll kind of get to this passage, so if you'll go there with me. we're going to be in several places, Matthew chapter 26, and I did write the page number if you would like to kind of open there. We'll go there in a minute, page 703 of the Bible in front of you, if you'd like to follow along in that Bible in front of you. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, I'd love to give you a Bible, uh, and I uh, would love to give that to you um, so that you can bring it, bring your Bible. First of all, I just kind of want to go through kind of the, 
this progression of Peter, and we're right from the onset, Matthew 4, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called who? Peter and Andrew, throwing a net in the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So Jesus calls Peter and Simon right along what they're doing as fishermen. Jesus called people from various backgrounds, life experiences, worldviews, called people to himself. And Peter becomes kind of more, if you track Peter, he becomes this, a little bit more of this outspoken disciple. Then in chapter 14, okay, so uh, chapter 14, Peter has this great moment in chapter 14 of Matthew where he's walking on water and then Jesus uh, gets alone to pray to himself, pray to himself. There's this incredible moment where Peter steps out of the boat. The disciples are nearby. Jesus begins walking on water. Incredible moment. And he reminds them to take courage and to not be afraid. And Peter, unsurprisingly, is the first person to speak up and says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Peter begins to come toward Jesus. And verse 30 goes, he looks at the wind and he takes his eyes off Jesus. And the Bible says that he was afraid and began to sink. And he says, Lord, save me. And in verse 31, it says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He says, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Incredibly, if I'm there, like you're an incredibly personal moment. Like if you're Jesus and if you're a follower at that point, if you're watching this, I mean, imagine the promise that's going on here and the amazing potential of this guy. Just amazing. Then look what happens in chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the what? Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the what? Keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's pretty incredible. Just pretty incredible. Even, even this little, like we've transpired, pretty incredible what Jesus is doing. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. It was not that particular point in time for that to be revealed yet. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day would be raised from the dead. But who? Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then Jesus said, this is, we've kind of, we've talked about this a lot. When Jesus, as Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be a, my follower, you must give up, you must deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, that you will save it. We could kind of characterize Jesus' journey 
<laughs> as this. Could we not? Kind of like pretty winding road, kind of like pretty, a lot of twists and turns. There's like a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of things like, it's not like a very straight road. It's not like a straight country road that you drive down. Man, this is like a winding road with Peter. That's his journey. And that's his journey in the disciple of Jesus. Up and down, winding roads, twists and turns, ins and outs, much of like the roads we drive on here in western Pennsylvania. So if you have your Bible, you can go there, 703. We're going to have it on the screen as well. Uh, we at this church, we value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. And uh, make sure you find a church that does the same. And I pray that you'd find one that preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. Let's go to Matthew 26, verse 31. And then uh, we will read, and then uh, we'll talk about it here. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. I will go ahead and you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. All the disciples are going to fall away from Jesus this very night. And all the other disciples are going to fall away from Jesus. And up until this point, the disciples, they knew miracles. They were teaching in glory. And I imagine the disciples at this point thinking that Jesus, Jesus has been kind of a little bit too good to be true. But as Jesus helped continues, he predicts that he's not only going to suffer and die, but one of his own is going to betray him. And all are going to fall away just even that very night. They've been hit with quite a bombshell in a very particular short amount of time. Jesus quotes a very uh, familiar Old Testament passage there and about his coming death. Jesus has done some predicting. And he predicts that the disciples are going to betray him and deny him. Predicts that Peter's going to deny him. Predicts that he's going to make a way for them. And just after this, after this, he gathers around his disciples, tell them that they're all going to fall away. Even his closest followers are kind of like mud. They're a, bit, a little bit undependable. <laughs> Jesus says that even though, did you notice this? Even though that you're going to disown me, I'm going before you. I'm making a way out of this. You see, rarely are the people of the Bible, people of the Bible, the heroes of the Bible. It's all God. The Israelites, the Old Testament, the, the, the church is often painfully fragile. We are fickle. We are fickle. Jesus knows us about us and still makes a way for all of us around his disciples, even with the disciples who would literally hand them over to be Land him over. Even with the disciple who would do that, Judas. Even though they're all, all following Jesus, even though they're all going to fall away from him and disown him, God is going to make a way for them, prepare a way for them. So if you kind of jump to verse 40 here, it says this, that if you notice verse 40, then he returned to his disciples. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. It's this really personal moment where he prays, where he prays with his disciples. And he prays with this moment of anguish. Uh, just before in this very personal moment, you notice verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. It's like, couldn't you men keep watching me for one hour? <laughs> I mean, you ask Peter that. Couldn't you keep watching me for one hour like you're sleeping? And, I mean, it's Jesus, the guy who grabbed Peter out of the water. Like, 
Peter, where are you sleeping? Pull you, pulled you out of the water. Broke bread with you, everything. Broke bread at the Last Supper. The one meal they broke bread together. And I just like wonder, and like this, the Last Supper is just before this. He had this very personal moments with Jesus. And man, I was like, kind of asked myself, did Jesus know before the supper, like his disciples would be this unstable? He had to have. And he still fed them anyway. Would he have given them all the forgiveness he had known if they would have fallen? You see, we know the answers. <laughs> he did. He still did. And I just had this, this moment as I've become walking through this since like he did the last supper. He gives his supper knowing not what they, not they have been, but what they will be. What these disciples would be. Why? Because his body and blood make us new. The body and blood of Jesus make us new. And he knew what they could be. Not what they have been, but also what they could be because the body and blood of Jesus makes us new. The forgiveness, the blood of the Last Supper stretches not only back over the past, but also in a certain sense forward as well. Jesus did not give the supper to his church because he believed that she would deserve it by her subsequent behavior or even because he believed the supper would, supper would strengthen her to surmount all future because he believed that the supper would strengthen the church in the future and would strengthen us and strengthen us as we partake in the body and the last supper and uh, the supper the body and blood of Jesus empowers us as well forgives us and empowers us for service as well uh, verse 69 we're going to jump there uh, together now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him you were also with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. Notice he doesn't even say, like, Jesus' name. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Another person, it's like, man, he's got the odds, the odds are stacking up against him, you know? It's like, okay, like, <laughs> when are things going to turn? And he denied it again with an oath. And in those days, that was a no-no. He said, I don't know the man. Couldn't even say his name. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. So here's like strike three. Okay, now your accent here. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he wept, and he went outside and wept bitterly. Maybe you're a little bit like that today. Maybe it's kind of like one step forward, two steps back. Kind of like a roller coaster bit of following Jesus. Like, kind of a roller coaster. Peter was afraid attempted on multiple occasions to try to prove his worth and super zealous and then denied Christ. <laughs> and yet, Jesus said he would be a catalyst for the early Christian movement, not because anything he would do, but because of Christ's commitment to him and living through him. He had reached it. He had called by, he'd been called and commissioned by Christ, set apart by Christ, loved by Christ, taught by Christ, given the keys of the kingdom, and granted delegated miraculous power to heal the sick, cast out demons, leader of the twelve, privileged preacher. And now he stands in the pit of profanity, defying the very Lord he had confessed. 
You see, Peter's journey is telling, and it tells us the Lord is patient with us. You see, following Jesus happens over the course of a lifetime. Isn't it good to know today the Lord is patient with you? Amen? <laughs> Isn't it good to know that Peter is in, like, the inner circle, too? Like, he's in the inner circle. He's in one of the three. It humbles me, reminds me, that following Jesus, the aspect of the daily surrender is a daily thing to follow Jesus. Following Jesus happens over the course of a lifetime. And that we find in all of life's twists and turns, life's ups and downs, we find a Savior who is willing and, to eager, and eagerly meeting us at every turn. It's good to know that he's there. And he's strong for us. He is with us. And Peter says this when he writes a letter. He says this, Peter's words, the Lord is not slow. And I think he knew this intuitively. <laughs> the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is what? Patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everybody to come to repentance. You see, as kind of sometimes we wonder, like, why hasn't God come? Why hasn't Christ come back yet? Because God is relenting and holding his judgment long enough to bring everybody, much people, to bring him into his kingdom. And it's not that God has been patient with you. God is patient with you. And if one day, if the Lord is like a thousand years, then God has indeed been very patient with all of us. Our sins have gone on a long time, according to heaven's clock. <laughs> day by day, we cast ourselves on his mercy, trusting the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Peter says, he is patient with you. Don't you find it amazing that God does not look it down on you and I and say, I'm done with you and I'm done with her. Do you find that's good, with, good news for you? It's good for me. God has shown you that kind of patience. He's shown me that kind of patience on heaven's time scale. We can be patient in very real time with that unbelieving loved one, the hard-hearted cynic at the office, the relationship, maybe that's turned, the family dynamic. We can be patient because Jesus was patient. As I reflected on this, literally, uh, <laughs> But, but as, seriously, as I reflected on this, this is a stark reminder for me, my own story. But as it relates to the story of other people, my relationships with others, do I see others for their own faults? Do I get easily frustrated with someone in their own spiritual journey if they're not as far along as maybe I'd like them to be? Or as I'd perceive them to be? Or could I be more like Christ and walk with others through life's hills and valleys and everything else in between? Or could I be more like Christ and walk with them? And if Peter, who was seeing Jesus and followed Jesus, was called by God in the midst of it all and denied Christ in my relationships, who might that person be who I could take with me, grab by the arm, and even through all the disappointments and trials, who could I bring with me into Gethsemane, so to speak? Who are you and I? We follow, call ourselves followers of Jesus. The Lord is merciful and gracious, perfect in righteousness. Could it be, church, that God is calling us toward that same patience with a relationship in our life? 
Everybody is at a different stage in their journey with faith with Jesus Christ. Everyone's at a different stage in their walk with the Lord and as a, at a different progression in their, in their faith journey as they follow Christ. Everybody, regardless of the stage or age in life, are called to follow Jesus. And as we follow Christ daily, we are also called to a life of following Jesus and with others. Following Jesus also means that we help other people follow Jesus, help other people do the same thing. We're reminded of this even as, as, as Peter accepts the call. As Jesus was walking along the side of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for who? People. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. You see, every day Jesus is still inviting you and I to follow him for the sake of reaching other people and for the sake of reaching other individuals. It's a humbling reminder that as I walk through this Peter kind of story in this passage this week, that other disciples, other people who, who follow Jesus, that other people may, and their journeys may look like Peter's. And we church, we also at church, we've got to be reminded of that. Sometimes we like don't want them to be a Peter. We want them to be a little bit more like, I don't know, somebody else or somebody we perceive to be. But often church times, it's, the, it's Peter, right? Like Peter, the person of Peter is the, is the quintessential that Jesus walked with them, walked with them, and didn't give up on them. And um, reminds me of that. It's, it's, a great, it's just a great reminder of this. Peter was called by God and God used him. And as Jesus called Peter to follow him, God, I pray that I would be more of a conduit of grace and mercy toward other people. God, I pray that I'd be more of a conduit of unending grace and mercy toward other people. I pray that I would. I pray that I would for the, other, for the sake of of knowing you, God, and for the sake of other people. So if you're, at the, if you're at the end of your rope, kind of ready to quit or ready to give up, just for kind of a few things. In his greatest moment of anguish, Jesus, the Son of God, prayed. And after all of this, even after all this with Peter, he still takes Peter, James, and John into Gethsemane. He still takes them into that. Even though he denied his word, and he brought him into this moment of prayer. This moment of anguish and pain and heartache during this time is brought forth with Jesus praying. And in the last moments of Jesus' life, he does not take up arms. He does not send Peter off to go, you know, gather up crowds, fight off attackers. Of course, he denied, he cut off that guy's ear, you know. And at this point, you know, at that point, it wouldn't surprise me if Peter would have done that. <laughs> but it's in these, but he gets down and he prays. And it's in these moments of prayer these moments of prayer that he invites his disciples to keep watch and pray and they still fall asleep. They don't stay awake. You see, in order to stay alert, Jesus's word and prayer is how we stay alert in this life. By his word and by his prayer. This is, this is necessary, church. The Bible is necessary. God's word is necessary. I think a lot of our culture would like to say that this is a little bit more outdated or it's like a good story it's not really, doesn't really affect my life, but this is how we stay alert, church, this book. That's why we'll never stop preaching and teaching from this book. Jesus' word and prayer is how it stays and how we keep alert. 
Jesus prayed, and what's humbling is that Jesus also prayed. The Son of God prayed, and so should we. Prayed to the Father when he was overwhelmed. At his moment of anguish, he prayed. And if our soul is overwhelmed, sometimes we choose not to pray. And perhaps we, like Peter, maybe we feel like we're infallible or you know, we ought to accept our own weaknesses and activate our faith by taking it to God. Will we believe Jesus' word or live on our own devices? Jesus prayed and prayed and prayed in an hour of anguish and weakness. So where will we turn and who will we turn to? And lastly, I would just say this. Zero on who Jesus is. Somebody said to me one time that it's, it, we focus on the who of who Jesus is. Following Jesus, focus on the who of who that is, the promises of God, and focus in on the person of Jesus. There's one more account of Jesus and Peter I'd like to highlight because it draws much about what, we're, what we've talked about. And uh, as we sort of wrap this up, this comes from Luke chapter 5. It's on page 728. Kind of buttons up uh, what we've talked about today. Luke chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there. Luke 5, 1 through 11 page 728, if you'd like to go there. It just kind of ties this up, and I figured this was a, a fitting close for, for, this, for Peter and for this passage. So it says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisineret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So even in Jesus' day, like he's, he's not just relegated to the synagogue, but he's teaching people on a lake. He's, he's teaching people everywhere, even on a lake. People were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, a deep, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we have not caught anything. But because, here's the key thing, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners into the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so, so full that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon this, Don't be, what? Afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Man, you'd think like all night, all night long. In fact, in those days, the, the, it goes to show that much of the fish bit at nighttime. And here's Jesus. Look where Jesus exerts authority in, in Peter's life. Peter's the expert fisherman, by all accounts. I mean, Peter's the expert fisherman, right? He's, he knows it. Like, that's what he's grown up doing his whole life, his occupation. He's known that, and look where Jesus exerts authority in his life, at the very place that Peter knows best. I mean, Peter's an expert fisherman, and Peter lets Jesus, but because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And Peter lets Jesus speak into his life. Might we let Jesus speak as authority into our own lives? Might we let him speak into our lives? And sometimes, like, sometimes we kind of relegate it to maybe just certain places or like in our own heart, our own life, we kind of let Jesus in in certain spots. But may he be let into all of it. And may he have authority to speak into all of our lives. And might we let Christ speak into all of our areas of life today. So before you give up, before you give up, remember Peter. <laughs> remember Peter. And Peter goes and uh, as Acts tells us and, and the New Testament tells us, became this incredible force for the Lord. And remember Peter. If you're there, you remember Peter. Remember his life. Remember his testimony. Remember what God can do by his Holy Spirit with one individual. And for us, you know, for, if we're reflecting on this passage too, we're kind of reflecting on this even in our own relationships. Maybe there's someone that comes to mind even in our own heart and life who's gone a little bit wayward, a little bit. Might we, church, have the strength and courage and encouragement to walk with those people as well? To remember Peter, to remember that those people also need walked with. Even and as we are disciples, we also are discipling other people. Might we have the patience and strength and courage and faith to also walk with those kinds of people in our midst. Amen? And if you're on worship team, will you come up as we sing together this song?